to remember what it is that uh, you feel so strongly about. You know how how great it would be to be able to get to reach people, uh, to have um, finances flowing in from doing what you love to do. That that's there's that many people have done that, and it, it's definitely possible. And uh, when we share something that's really helpful to others, uh, it's going to come back. Welcome to Juice Guru Radio for Entrepreneurs. Firestart your own health movement. And now your host, founder of Juice Guru Institute and best-selling author, Steve Prusak. Welcome to another edition of Juice Entrepreneur Radio. I'm your host, Steve Prusak. Today we've got a great friend, Dr. Will Tuttle, visionary educator. He's presented widely throughout North America and worldwide, uh, author of the number one Amazon best-selling book, The World Peace Diet, and firestarter of that revolution in the vegan movement. He's a recipient of the Courage of Conscience Award and the Empty Cages Prize, uh, also the author of the recent book, Your Inner Islands, uh, The Keys to Intuitive Living, and the newly released Buddhism and Veganism, Essays Connecting Spiritual Awakening and Animal Liberation. He's doing incredible work, and his website is worldpeacediet.com. Let's welcome to the show right now, Dr. Will Tuttle. Thank you so much, Steve, for the, uh, and thank you everyone for listening, and it's really great to be with you here for a little while. Thanks. Well, thank you for being here, Dr. Tuttle, and you've been in this, you know, in this movement for so long now, and take us back. How did this journey begin where you said, you know what, um, I'm a Zen Buddhist monk, but I've got a message to, to share right now. Right. Well, that's the thing, you know, it's, it's, I think for, for me, the way it is probably for most people, it grew organically. It, it kind of grew out of the increasing awareness that I had of the consequences really of uh, the way that our society teaches us to eat and to see ourselves in relationship to nature and to animals and to each other. So uh, I think I was always uh, somewhat uh, interested in how, and, uh, and then during my college years, I got more interested in spiritual ideas, and I started meditating and doing yoga. This was back in the seventies uh, when I was in my twenties, and then I remember uh, eventually deciding to take a walk with my brother, you know, kind of a pilgrimage, and we ended up at a community that was vegan called the Farm way back in nineteen seventy-five in Tennessee. But it was like a bunch of hippies back then, about a thousand people. But that was really educational for me because I realized that you do not need to eat animal foods to be healthy. So I became a, a vegetarian at that point in 1975. And that really was a, a step in the right direction for me. And I started living in, as a, uh, in the Zen Mon, as well as Zen centers, actually, for about 10 years in, in the Southeast, in Alabama, Georgia, and then eventually came to California. About five years later, I decided to drop dairy and eggs and go completely into veganism as a basically ethical way of living that I could see was really better not only for my health but for the earth and for animals and for hungry people future generations and and workers and so forth so I could see there was this whole uh, array of benefits uh, of forsaking meat dairy products and eggs and embracing an organic whole food plant-based way of eating and so I, that was in 1980. So that was actually 40 years ago. And right from the very beginning, I felt impelled to share the message with other people, partly maybe because I was born and raised in a newspaper family. And I just had this kind of, you know, 
<laughs> publishing kind of energy in my bones that we, you know, you got to get the word out. So I, I was teaching college. I, I got my PhD at Berkeley. I started teaching college courses uh, and uh, in philosophy and, um, and, and various, uh, I, I taught many different courses actually, but a lot of them were in philosophy, literature, humanities. And I was able to bring this message uh, to people and it was great, you know, to, to be able to do that. I also play the piano. So I started uh, thinking about maybe leaving academia and just being a freelance musician and offering uh, workshops on developing intuition, because I think that uh, is very important for everyone, for all of us, wherever we are in our journey, to develop a relationship with our inner guidance system so that we can live our own unique life authentically and not just go along with what everybody says we should be going along with. So um, that was my actually my PhD research at Berkeley was on educating intuition in adults. So I did that. I started uh, traveling full time, giving uh, workshops and lectures and concerts of original piano music. I met Madeline, my wonderful wife in Switzerland around that time. And she came over and we got married. So we started doing that together. And while this was happening, uh, I was focusing mainly on, on the intuition and on uplifting and healing music. It just came, it was like this, this, this little voice kept saying, you know, you've got to spread the vegan message more, <laughs> you know, because it's one of those messages that most people do not want to hear. That's not a really popular message, but I just felt that the animals were calling out for someone to protect them and the earth and future generations and hungry people. So I just started tr figuring out ways to, to bring the message in. Uh, to the, I was working a lot through progressive churches and uh, different conferences and things and uh, environmental conferences. So that's what happened. I just started finding ways to speak about it. And uh, I think the entrepreneurial spirit of just being creative and offering something to people without really trying to change anybody and just offering something. And so I had cassettes back then and CDs of music. We had some of Madeline's art. And um, then we did guided meditations with CDs and so forth. And then at one point, uh, I thought, you know, someone, I've got, someone's going to write a book that will give the big picture of the consequences of animal agriculture. And I can't wait to read that book. And so the, a few years went by and nobody wrote it. And finally, Madeline said, you know, Will, I think if you want to read that book, you probably have to write it yourself. So while I was doing all this other stuff, I started writing The World Peace Diet. And it took five years. But when it was out it kind of opened a huge number of new doorways because the book itself uh, became a movement, really, and it's been translated into 16 languages. And it really tries to connect us as human beings with the deeper dimension of who we are as eternal consciousness on this earth, here to grow and to awaken and to contribute to the healing of the world for the few short years, really, that we're on this earth. So for me, it's been a, just a fantastic adventure, this life. And I'm so glad that I've been able to meet you and to meet so many beautiful people in this movement and uh, to see that even though we're facing all kinds of difficulties and challenges and crises in the world today, like we have been, that there is this underlying and I think growing awareness that by improving our food and our nutrition and our consciousness, we can transform ourselves and contribute to the transformation of our society and that that's a worthy thing to do for all of us. And more and more people, I think, are doing that in each of us in our own ways. 
So I just want to encourage everyone to listen to your inner voice, to that inner uh, spiritual prompting that that inspires you to try something new and to connect with your own unique uh, voice and your unique gifts and talents that you have and and really uh, dedicate them to something that's helpful for everyone. And I think if you do that, you'll find, like I have, that success comes. And success isn't necessarily just monetary. It's really the, the time that we have, the, the joy that's in our hearts, the feeling of gratitude that goes through our life as we're walking around and doing things. That's, I think, and, and being able to contribute in some way that we feel is meaningful. I think that's really uh, uh, the goal here. And uh, I'm so glad to see that you're uh, offering uh, practical ways for people to implement these kinds of um, ideas and connect everybody with their unique uh, contributions. It's really exciting to have you for me. Um because when I left the nine to five job and really wanted to get this message out, really the first thing I did about 10 years ago was approach you and say, hey, you know, I love your book, The World Peace Diet. What do you think about the idea of creating an online mastery facilitator trait? Well, it grew into other things. But remember, all the way back then, uh, there was an opportunity that you could reach people all over the world with your amazing message. Right. No, it's true, Steve. And um, I really appreciate your uh, efforts that to help uh, you know, kind of create something, a uh, training program that we did together. And then uh, that grew into the Vegan Palooza, uh, which was really the largest vegan online summit in history at that point. And we had a lot of people on and we had, we interviewed all of the, for two years, uh, the, the top most well-known people and I think really knowledgeable people in the vegan world and really I think when we do things like that work together and try uh, to do our best that it has ripples that go out and those ripples not only go out to bless others eventually they start rippling back toward us and bless us you know that's the whole thing I talk about this in the world peace diet the boomerang effect you know whatever we sow we reap so if we're putting something out there that's high quality and that's beneficial don't worry. You know, you will be supported by the universe. It'll come back. Oh, gosh. I remember you telling me that. And I was like, but, but Dr. Tuttle, I've got to pay the bills. And I, I don't know <laughs> if I could do this. And what? Right. And you said, you just got to relax and know what you're doing means something. Yes. I think that's the most important thing. The, uh, the uh, basic cultural program that in many ways has wounded all of us is a mentality of lack, that there's just not enough to go around, that if you have to compete and fight with others for, for the resources. And this underlying idea, this competitive model where we look at others as, um, as impediments to us or as instruments that we can use, if I can somehow use that person or if I can convince them of something or if I can change them or if I can exploit them or, <laughs> you know, and of course animals bear the full fury of this mentality because they're really defenseless. But, but uh, in many ways that's, we see that playing out that people with, with more money and more power very often are trying to use those with less money and less power. And this whole, this whole thing runs through our educational system. It runs through, through many different aspects and institutions in our society. And I think uh, politically and uh, economically and from all, all these different points of view, we all realize that it's time for 
a more realistic and positive and uplifting and inspiring story, you know, basically, and way of living. And sure enough, you know, I, I used to teach college courses in comparative religion, and it's great to see that there's so many ancient wisdom traditions, both from the East and the West, that can help us to see that whatever we focus our attention on will expand. So if we're focusing our attention on, on service and providing something of benefit and creating beauty and truth, uh, doors will open. The doors do open. And uh, I've just seen miracles uh, happening, not only in my life, but in the lives of people who have gone through our trainings, the World Peace Diet trainings, and gone on to create vegan sanctuaries, vegan film, documentary films, vegan study groups, uh, vegan educational groups, vegan restaurants, uh, vegan communities, online communities, all, so many different uh, wonderful like uh, flowers in the garden that, that keep popping up. And one of us, I think, uh, really are called to find our unique uh, gifts, like the unique flower that we can be, and to help others. I think the best way to do it is to help others do it in many ways. And that's what you were doing. You, know, you, were, you were kind of helping, helping the World Peace Diet movement go, and then that led into the, into the um, Juice Guru movement yourself, which is, which is taking on a life of its own, which is really beautiful to see. And, and other people can do the same thing and be inspired and learn uh, uh, not only the practical things, but learning this, the mindset I think it's very important to cultivate an attitude from the very first moment you wake up in the morning to breathe and and cultivate a sense of gratitude for another wonderful opportunity to learn and grow and to be part of the positive on the planet and give thanks that your own inner uh, progress, you know, the inner progress that you're making, that we're all making, uh, is building a foundation for greater wisdom and joy and freedom uh, on every level, not only for, for you as an individual, but for everyone, because we're all interconnected fundamentally. The more we help others, really, the more we're helping ourselves. Yeah. And I'll say in all those years back that we started on those projects together, it was such a gift to learn about mindset from you and how important that was. And, and in your own journey, I suppose it, it was uh, helpful along the way too. Right. Well, that's the thing. You know, I I, um, I feel very blessed uh, to have had some really incredible teachers uh, along the way. And uh, I got interested early on in Zen Buddhism and uh, the idea of quieting the mind and sitting. In, and of course, when one tries doing that, uh, the mind becomes even noisier and louder and more unruly. <laughs> so it's you know, it's challenging to say the least, but I just had a passion for it for some reason. I just had such a passion. I would, I remember when I was only 20, gosh, 20, 22 years old, I was meditating eight hours a day, every day, getting up at three o'clock in the morning. And, um, I felt that this, you know, this is what the old Zen monks did. So I should do it too. And, and so put effort in and then it just, it's true. It's like this, that old saying, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And eventually this wonderful Zen teacher in my life who uh, I knew until he was until he passed away about 20 years I guess he passed away in, like in his mid 90s, but um, he really helped me a lot with uh, just being an example basically. I think that's all a teacher can really do. They can't really teach you anything. We have to learn ourselves, but they they can be an example of another way of living where instead of reacting 
to an insult with anger, we, we just react with uh, a smile and, and send love to the person because we understand people are wounded and, and they're not, nothing is really personal. And I think when we um, practice meditation, though, that, that's really the, the key, at least it has been for me, because it allows me to become a witness to the mind. You know, otherwise, um, my mind is uh, uh, me. I think my mind is me and my thoughts are me and my feelings. And then when, we, when I learn to just kind of see these things arising, I realize that what I am is the infinite awareness within which all of this is arising that's eternal. And that when this body dies, I'm never going to die. There's an old Zen saying, if you die before you die, then when you die, you won't die. <laughs> and you know, the idea is that uh, we, we need to, in a sense, die to this illusion of being a fundamentally separate self, struggling to try to get by and, and so forth. Um, and when we do that, we begin to embody a deep clarity uh, and relax into the truth that we can never die. We're, we're gonna, and whatever we do in this life, um, it's, it's just like creating an art piece that in many ways is like a Tibetan sand mandala. You know, they create these beautiful sand mandalas, and then at the end they just, get, they just destroy it. You know, and it's beautiful and it's, it's temporary. Everything is, is temporary. What really lasts is our consciousness, the love that we cultivate is what lasts. And uh, everything else is gonna be washed away by the oceans of time, except for our consciousness and the quality of our consciousness and how we touch others in their consciousness. So, uh, of course, we're raised in a society where we're taught the opposite of this. That's the problem, the wound that we face. We're, we're all taught that we're a thing, an object that was born and will die and we have to manipulate all the other objects, like we do with animals. You know, we buy and sell them by the pound. We do this to billions of animals. And it doesn't just hurt them, it hurts us. We, re we reduce them, and then we end up reducing ourselves to just being this object that was born and will die. So I think that's why what you're teaching when you teach people to help uh, move away from eating animal foods and toward eating plant-based foods, especially that are whole and organic, it actually changes at a, such a deep level the biochemistry of the body and the whole microbiome inside of us, the, the community of, of, uh, of other micro, you know, microorganisms uh, suddenly becomes friendlier and gives rise to a much healthier immune system. And we begin to feel a sense of benevolence and harmony inside of us. And the weights that are on our shoulders and the tension in the, in the pit of our stomach begins to go away because we're not eating terror and fear and pain. We're eating joy and abundance. We can even perhaps get a garden and grow some of our own food ourselves. And, you know, and, and just be part of this miracle of planting uh, some seeds and having uh, the earth just bring forth beautiful fruits and vegetables and nuts, grains, and seeds and legumes, you know, all these, the, these, this amazing beauty and bounty that give us all the nutrients that we need to be healthy, all the fiber and minerals and vitamins and essential fatty acids and proteins, amino acids, starch, everything that we need, carbohydrates to, to just thrive is in plants in a very benevolent, beautiful, artistic package. And um, it's just, uh, in a sense, a, a, such a deep tragedy that from the time we're little kids, we're, we're 
pulled away. It's like we're hijacked away from that awareness and that practice into domination and exploitation and violence and eating terror and uh, creating a microbiome that reduces our immune system and makes us afraid, you know, essentially afraid of, of viruses and afraid of bacteria, afraid of uh, these things that we think can harm us. But if we're really healthy, that's the thing I've noticed. Like one of the things, I'll just say this final little thing here. Um, you know, since the World Peace Diet was translated into all these languages, the last five years, Madeline and I have traveled to over 50 countries all over the world, giving lectures all, you know, all over Asia, East Asia, West Asia, India, Australia, New Zealand, uh, Eastern Europe, Western Europe, North and South America, all 50 states. We've been uh, continually uh, bombarded with people, you know, giving lectures to four or 500 people. And afterwards, everybody wants a picture and a hug and all this. A lot of them, you know, I'm sure are carrying flus and, and viruses and bacteria and all these things. <laughs> but, you know, I've never gotten sick. You know, I mean, it's because I think when we stay at a high vibration, then we're at the vibration of health. And, and the vibration of health uh, is something that we can maintain and encourage within ourselves by the foods we're eating, by the thoughts we're thinking, the, the feelings that we're cultivating and exercising our body and getting plenty of sunshine and fresh air. And, and, uh, and, and really, the other thing that's really important is to consciously build harmonious relationships with other people. There's nothing worse for our health than to have relationships where there's this underlying feeling of, of stress or judgment or criticism. That's really hard on us. So to, to, to make an effort to be the one who's being loving and, and kind, even if others are not, and that will help not only them, it'll help us. <laughs> a lot too. Uh, realizing again, people are wounded and very often they're, they're saying things that go just because they've been harmed as kids themselves by critical parents who are, who are wounded by their parents. You know, it all goes through the generations, but it's up to us, I think, as individuals to raise our vibration to the point where uh, we're being a blessing in the world and, and, and raising the vibration of, of humanity rather than bringing it down. So when you take us back to when you were writing the book, The World Peace Diet, those, all those years back and you know, speaking all over the world and all that work you were doing, obviously it took a lot of energy, a lot of commitment. And what really drove you back then? Well, you know, I think I've always been, I, I guess from the outside, I've always looked kind of like a driven person. I mean, at least since uh, I started, uh, I left the the, um, the meditation centers and get my master's and then my PhD and then started uh, giving lectures and writing and ha having a very, you know, full uh, life and full schedule and doing, doing a lot. And um, what drives me, I guess, what can I say? That's a really, that's a great question. I think there's just this underlying sense that uh, I have lots of energy and something needs to be done. And so I like to jump in and do it. You know, I guess that's kind of the thing. It's like, you know, I think there's something to be said for the idea uh, people make, you know, make this kind of a joke. I'm, I, we should be a human being, not a human doing. You know, and I think that's very important. It's important to take time to just sit and be. However, the other thing that's important to realize is that we're on this earth and this earth, and we have a physical body with hands and feet and a mouth and all these things that are our are, are tools. And we're really here to do something, actually. We're here on this earth to actively engage and, and actually do something, create something. 
uh, whatever it is for us to do, to co-create, I think it's even better word, to co-create with the creator, whoever that is, however that is, the, the infinite power that really is, is creating us, and to co-create with others, with other humans and, and with other, uh, and with animals. I mean, to, they're, they're very intelligent, um, beautiful beings too. So to make ourselves available to be creative, I think that's something that really brings joy. And I think what the biggest problem, one of the worst things that's going on in our society is that people are going to jobs that are not their dream job every day. You know, they're, they're punching a clock, they're just going to work to make money, and they feel like a slave you know, in a certain sense. And then, then they want to medicate, they want to have a drink or do something to avoid that bad feeling of wasting the precious life of a of a human being on this beautiful earth with just uh, working in some job that doesn't really bring a deep meaning. So what you're offering, I think, Steve, what we're talking about here is work that is, is deeply fulfilling. You know, I mean, I, I've, and the interesting thing for me, quite honestly, is that I've never really, uh, I mean, I did for a little while back in my twenties, I, I had jobs for a little while when I worked here and there, I worked in a hotel and, when I, I don't know, a couple of things while I was just kind of sort of in, the, in the first few years, but after, I guess in my late, by the time I was in my late twenties, I was, um, I was never, I never worked again. I never feel like I ever worked a job after that because I was just doing what I love to do and uh, money was coming in, <laughs> you know, as a, as a side result, you know, you know, people were buying books, people were buying CDs, people were asking me to give a talk and giving a donation. And most of the money, I would say like 90 over 90%, maybe even almost 100% of the money when you really think about it, it was, it, was, it was just donations. It's all been donations. Everything's been really, people like the Vegan Palooza we did, people wanted to um, get the recording of that. It was so great. So they donated to us, right? And we get the donations. It was, and everything, you know, people want to buy a book and they, you know, they like the talk and, they, and I, Madeline and I do a lot of, of that, that or they like one of her paintings or they like one of my CDs or whatever it is. They, they want to give something, you know? So we give, they give back. The more we give, the more that comes back. It's Everything is really a donation. I think a donation economy is really the way to go. It's like I've never, ever really, ever charged anything for anybody. For, you know, if anybody wants to come to a talk, they can come. You know, even if it says, you know, whatever, $20, but it, no one's ever turned away for lack of funds. Everyone's always welcome. And I just think uh, the more we give, uh, just give things, then people it comes back sooner or later in some way or another. And um, I think the most important thing is to be a giver. And, and then when, uh, when the universe, if you, I mean, the, really, you can't, there's an old thing, you can't outgive the universe, you know, or you can't outgive God. People say sometimes, you know, and that idea is, you know, if you do, if you give, it's like, it's just going to come back somehow or other. And it'll come back, not just in money, but in, like from in my case, I feel like I've you know this beautiful gift of a wonderful relationship with my wife and and friends and so the things that really matter uh, and and challenges uh, when there's disharmony disharmony for some reason um, they're not bad either you know challenges are actually uh, nothing to be you know feared it's just uh, learning opportunities it's feedback you know how how can I do it better next time that kind of thing. Well, what were some of those challenges on the way or roadblocks or, you know, what, you know, maybe attempts to hold you back or maybe you had to rethink things or what were some of those struggles as you went along this journey to build the movement? <laughs> well, you know, there's, um, 
quite a few things that come up in daily life. I mean, you know, generally speaking, um, I would say the biggest struggles are the ones we have with ourselves, like, in, like they, that I would have with myself. Whether like like when I was teaching college, I I really loved teaching college, and I was good at it. I was getting paid. I had a basically kind of a, what you would call a tenured. I was it was de facto tenure at the Academy of Art College in, in San Francisco where I, I had a job and I could teach my classes and it was comfortable and um, everybody liked it. I liked it. They liked it. But there was something inside me that was saying it wasn't enough. And, and um, so I guess, you know, the, the challenge was to actually say, okay, I'm leaving this, you know, I'm, I'm going, I'm going out into the great unknown. <laughs> and so there's the, you know, sort of fear, I guess, can come up like, how am I going to make any money? But, um, but I did, I took a leap and, and, um, and tried it and lo and behold, you know, it, it worked really well. And I, I was able to make enough money uh, selling cassettes back then it was before CDs even came out. Um, to to do fine, you know, financially. I was, you know, I had to work hard. I mean, that's one of the things that, like, I, I think people think that um, there's maybe a way to do it without working hard. I, you know, I, I, I really work hard, actually, what I do and, and, you know, scheduling. And I'm not sure if that's good or not. I think maybe I, I could have, you know, employed other people maybe better. But it was just not, I just never did. I just pretty much have been a kind of a one-man show in a way uh all the way through but that's just been my way but other people it might be better to, to you know hire more people and maybe we'll do that at some point but I've, I've just found that just having a kind of my own little thing with me and, and madeline has worked really well uh, all in all and um the the main challenges i guess are really just uh being willing to put the time in and not get discouraged, you know, when, when, when you get a no and a no and a no and a no. And then some people I think might give up at that point, but you just got to keep like, like if I'm you know, scheduling something and it's not going to work in Atlanta or, or in, in um, Savannah or whatever, to just keep, well, I'm going to try Myrtle beach or whatever, you know, you just keep, keep working. And, um, and the neat thing is that with time, uh, network builds and it gets easier. But the idea of working through the resistance of not, you know, being willing to, to get a lot of no's uh, and, and then just keep trying, that, that's, that's, I think, one of the most important things uh, that I found. And uh, the other, I guess the other thing I would say is um, hard to deal with. Uh, well, two, well, maybe two more things. One is institutional pressure, you know, because we all have to deal with institutions and um, that can be tough, you know, whatever the institutions are, you know, whether it's governmental or educational, like when I was teaching, for example, you know, I had to do certain things in a certain way or I'll have to do certain things in a certain way with the governmental agencies. Um, so, so, you know, those kinds of things um, are always, I think, challenging for people, but to just work with it as gracefully as we can. And then, uh, and then other people, of course, <laughs> there's a, there's an old saying by um, Sartre in his play, uh, no exit. Uh, it's a, it's not an old saying, but it's a, a famous line which is hell is other people. <laughs> that's, my, that's what he realizes in this play. Like, you know, the, the problem of my life is other people. And in a sense, that is hard. You know, like, like in the vegan movement, you know, it's so difficult. We want to bring this message to people. And the, the, the enormous resistance that people have, uh, you know, I, I had ministers telling me like at churches, 
uh, ask about coming and giving the talk on Sunday morning and putting on a workshop. And they would say, well, here, but don't say anything about vegetarianism or veganism because they, you know, that, that, then, you can't, then you can't come. You know? So there's this uh, resistance to, uh, so you, one has to kind of work with other people, with institutions. And sometimes uh, I've, I've had to just uh, you know, say, okay, I'm not going to come there. I'm not going to do that. But uh, when one door closes, I always feel another door will open. And uh, that's, you know, I think you know, there's been a lot of those, oper- you know, those kinds of situations. But the uh, underlying idea, I think, really is to, to um, practice every day uh, a discipline like from the outside like a discipline like that started early on because i was practicing that my father taught me to you know play the piano so i was practicing every day and then it's, it kind of led right into you know practicing meditation every day yoga every day tai chi every day uh and other things you know sitting down doing the work that needs to be done every day just kind of having that that kind of uh, discipline and then really avoiding at least for me this has been important avoiding distractions that are harmful like i have not had a television you know in 50 years. Um, I've never, haven't drunk alcohol in, you know, 50 years or taken any drugs or anything. I think, you know, trying to keep a a pure uh, body temple mind is really important. You know, we don't eat anything that's not organic and whole and no, we don't eat sugar or, I mean, just really clean food and and without toxins. Uh, That's just such much more fun to live that way. I mean, so much more fun, so much more energy and happiness. And uh, I think it's, it looks like a discipline and maybe it is in the beginning, but once it gets going and gets momentum, it's just fantastic. Of all this work you've done, what achievement are you most proud of? Wow. Um, Gosh, you know, well, I'd say on one level, I would say uh, the World Peace Diet uh, and, and the move came out of that. Uh, to try to help propel the world into a deeper appreciation of the uh, consequences of animal agriculture, not just that it's bad for our health and the environment and the animal, see more deeply the spiritual and cultural impact of animal agriculture and how it enslaves us, how it's enslaving us really now and how we can liberate ourselves when we liberate animals. So that's, I would say, if there's any any kind of overarching Thing that I'm, I feel really good about having put my energy into and done it would be that. Um, but I think you know it's really wonderful to get uh, emails from people that you know say that you know, they help them go vegan, or other people who say that the um, music or the meditations um, help them every day to be more peaceful. And uh, you know those kinds of things I think are are helpful too. You know they make me feel like you know something helps somebody and. Um, I think just loving words uh, that have gone out to hopefully bless other people. That's the most important thing. Well, you had your goals at the beginning to reach more people and inspire more people. And you've reached, you reach all these goals, but what was the biggest transformation that happened along the way? Maybe something you didn't expect, or what was your biggest transformation? Well, when I think of, um, there's maybe two things, you know, when I, myself uh, growing up, there was a major transformation happened early on, early on. It was when I, and it was, it was pretty agonizing at the time when I was in college, we were going through the Vietnam war. I was going to go into my father's business and just sort of fulfill my destiny as working in the system more or less. And 
I just decided to say no to that and and walk walk off into the into the world. Luckily, my brother, my younger brother Ed, had this. He thought, "Oh, that's a great idea." <laughs> so we did it together, and that really helped. That, but it, it made it easier for the two of us. But we we walked into into off into the world with no money, you know, really. And and I've never looked back. I never took money uh, from my parents. And just started just just walking, just not just. I left the world, and um, I decided that whatever happens uh, in this lifetime, with the most important thing is spiritual awakening. That's all that matters. And I and my brother and I every day we would just repeat that over and over again. And and uh, we, somehow meals would come, and somehow food would come, and we just walked all the way from New England to Alabama with no money. Eventually to a Zen center, and I, I'm I'm a completely different person because of that. Because it just it was like leaving this world. I'm still here, but it was like this sense of there's there's a whole other reason for being here. It's not about making money or impressing anyone. It's really about discovering the truth that I am. And uh, and then I think you know at one point uh, in a meditation uh, retreat, 1987. I guess it was. Um, I I had a uh, kind of a breakthrough, finally, and uh, it had been many years I've been meditating. Where I I actually directly realized that this self that I think I am is actually it's, it's really hard to put into words, but it's just a figment, really. It's it, what it, the all there is is this eternal consciousness. Everything everything else is an illusion, and um, so when I realized that in a nonverbal way, it was, it was like everything that can bother me, that can upset me, that people can judge me became much less, uh, it didn't have claws. It didn't have fish hooks that could tear my flesh like it did before. And, uh, but then I realized that's when the work really begins because now I have to bring my, try to, you know, do my best to bring my life into alignment with that understanding. And I think I was pretty much on my own, uh, so, uh, when I married Madeline, that was the other transformation it was like, actually, you know, this is a person from a different society, different, whole different language, different gender, of course, I mean, a woman and, and different way of looking at the world. And so the challenge of just, um, being in harmony with this one person that I love, that's a great opportunity, I, I think, to, um, to grow spiritually, to, um, to, you know, not, you know, to just do things in a different way than I would on my own, you know, just be different. It's, I think relationship is the greatest teacher. And I feel so grateful that I could study with, you know, Tibetan masters and Zen masters and learn a lot from them. But I've learned a lot also just from my relationship with, with Madeline. Um, that, I think that's been a, I, I, you know, it's, it's softened me. I, I can be really, I know, really tough and hard, kind of harsh, uh, demanding. and. Um, and she helped me to realize that that's uh, that veganism is sensitivity to to others, not just to animals, but to human animals as well. And so that's been a great uh, learning experience for me too. Wow, great! And uh, just it, it had me thinking because Julie and I were talking about how there's so much fear right now, and at the root of it, the fear is of death. I think, I think people are really afraid that this, that this, they're going to end up dying from this coronavirus or this pandemic or 
and and it's creating a level of insanity uh, around us that we see. And a lot of it's on the TV, which thankfully you don't have because a lot of people are watching the TV, watching the messaging that's putting people in the state of fear. Do you think it's that people have to overcome the fear of death in order to experience peace? Yes. Yeah, I think so. You know, I think there's two things I'll say here. One is uh, fear is a very powerful motivator. And I think that's why fear is being um, uh, cultivated in the mass media now, because there are very powerful forces at work, the big pharmaceutical uh, uh, forces and, and I think military forces in the background that uh, want to create more of a control uh, over people. And so are using fear to help uh, usher in uh, potentially uh, uh, taking away of our, our basic freedoms. So I think it's uh, important to realize that we cannot die. We're, you know, we're, I mean, what can I say? I mean, what we are is eternal consciousness that can never die. We are, death is, a, is simply a shifting of our attention into another realm. We're still going to be conscious and, and we're going to have learned something while we're here, but uh, we don't have to worry about it. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing, we can't be harmed by anything, certainly not by viruses. But I think the, the real death that we're afraid of actually is are, are the deaths, plural, that we are inflicting on animals and, and others. I mean, I, also, I think on some level, uh, you know, through our government of, of people that we're killing in the Middle East and so forth, but especially when we, if I go to the store and I take out my wallet and I'm paying for uh, meat, dairy products or eggs, I'm, pay, I'm paying someone somewhere to stab an animal, to cause an animal not only to die, but to be terrified, to be abused and so forth. And so that animal is vulnerable and terrified and is killed because of me, right? I'm the cause. I want to eat meat. I want to eat dairy. I want to eat some eggs. So I'm killing. I'm going to pay someone to kill. And so we know that. I mean, we're not stupid. We know that. Anyone who's eating meat, dry products, or eggs knows deep down that they're killing, they're causing the death of others, that they are like a virus in the sense that uh, a virus is something that attacks us, but we can't see it. You know, we, where is it? It's, it's invisible. It's just attacking us. We're afraid of it. But we are that to these, to these animals. We're this unseen killer that they can't see us because we're far away, but we took out our wallet, we paid. And now we're the unseen killer that we're so afraid of ourselves. This is what Carl Jung called the shadow. It's what we are, but what we don't want to see, we're afraid to look at. So I think as long as we live in a society based on animal agriculture, we're going to be plagued with terrorism because we are terrorists to animals and with pandemics and viruses and fear because we're causing that in others. So there's a way out of this. It's a beautiful way out. We move to going vegan. I mean, moving to a plant-based way of eating, and then going deeper, questioning all the narratives in our society, questioning who's controlling the media, and, um, and questioning the narratives in our own minds. I think these are great things we can do to help heal not only ourselves and our loved ones, but our world. And to, for me, it's like decolonizing my own mind. That you know, our minds have been colonized by. Uh, a certain uh, way of looking at the world and to refresh that somehow to kind of have a, a uplift that take it to a higher level and it's beautiful it's something that we can work on uh, each one of us and we can help each other to do that too which i which is what i think you're doing uh, with your training here wow that was powerful uh thank you for that 
Now, what is your advice to those that are just starting out that want to create a movement, reach people with a powerful message? What would your advice be to those that are just starting out in all this? Well, it's great. You know, my advice would be uh, essentially to just uh, go for it, of course, and um, to realize that it's 90 percent internal and 10% external, the 10% external will, will require, I'm sure, a, quite a bit of, of perspiration. Uh, but I think uh, the, the key is to keep inspired, you know, to take time every day to remember what it is that uh, you feel so strongly about, you know, how, how great it would be to be able to get to reach people, uh, to have um, finances flowing in from doing what you love to do. That that's there's that many people have done that and it, it's definitely possible. And uh, when we share something that's really helpful to others, uh, it's going to come back. So I, I would just you know encourage uh, people to be willing to uh, try to learn from the best. You know, try to find uh, people who know how to do what you would like to be able to do. And, uh, and to realize the importance of right association. You know, there's this idea in, in the Buddhism of the Noble Eightfold Path of right uh, speech, right thought, right action, right livelihood, right meditation, and so forth. But underlying all of those is right association. To associate yourself with people you would like to be like. And uh, we human beings are... Uh, sponges. You know, we become like those who are around us. So if we surround ourselves with people who drag us down, uh, who don't really align with our vision, don't see us doing what we think we're going to, we'd love to do, it makes it a lot harder. So do the best you can to associate with people who are on the, the same wavelength and who are more advanced than you are. And that's the best thing to do. People who are ahead of you. So you have to kind of you know, catch up. And when you're around those kind of people, either, you know, physically or online, however you can do it, then uh, you're going to be, uh, in a sense, uh, in training your consciousness to a higher vibration of greater understanding and wisdom and awareness. And it's just very helpful. You know, it's, it's, it's uh, I think it's been understood that this is essential in the spiritual traditions of the world. The ancient wisdom teachings you, you study with, you don't go study with a local drunk, you study with a, a master, right? <laughs> That's how you do it. So, so it's the same thing, you know, put, put, try to create community that supports the vision that you have uh, as best you can online or however you can do it. And the beautiful thing with, with you know, with internet is that we can do that. We can create communities of like-minded people that can uh, create ripples into the whole you know, consciousness of the world and, and make it better for everyone. Yeah. And you can still reach them with the social distancing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. He's Dr. Will Tuttle, and he's the fire starter of the World Peace Diet, the movement, the vegan movement, and the website is www.worldpeacediet.com. Dr. Tuttle, is that the best way for our listeners to follow the work you're doing? That is, Steve. Yeah, worldpeacediet.com has got our uh, tour schedule when that all gets started up again and also has our, our training as well as the music and the art, the books, and um, articles that I've written and so forth. And we, we have a you know Facebook group, World Peace Diet, 
uh, Facebook group if anyone's interested in that as well. And uh, But I think uh, just go to our website. You can find out more there. Dr. Will Tuttle. Dr. Tuttle, thank you so much. Thank you for all these years of incredible work, um, taking a chance on me at the beginning of my entrepreneurial career to help get this message out. And I, I appreciate everything. You're, you're such a gift. Thank you for all your work. Oh, bless you, Steve. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for, for all the efforts you're making. Dr. Will Tuttle right here on Juicingpreneur Radio. Thank you for listening to Juice Guru Radio for Entrepreneurs. Visit JuiceGuru.com to learn more and start building your health empire today. 